3: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks so much for uh,
4: joining us for this week's show. Hope to have another good one. Got a trifecta lined up for you tonight. Our first guest is going to be Mark Simon. Uh, Mark, as you know, former editor of the Thoroughbred Times, now associated with the Daily Racing Forum. Well, he wasn't there too long as the editor of the new breeding section, uh, that now they've actually moved him up the ladder. You know, the Thoroughbred Times did uh, some uh, great uh, social media and, and web work. And, of course, Mark was overseeing all that, so I think you're going to see some changes at the form, and they're entrusting Mark with that. He's had to move from Lexington to New York, a big move, so we're going to talk about some of the plans he has lined up for the Daily Racing Forum. At the bottom of the hour, one of the most respected columnist and handicappers uh, in the sport marty mcgee will be with us Uh, he's been on the show many times and i always thank marty for taking time out of his busy schedule to be with us and then after we talk to marty we're going to talk to somebody that has a a a horse in the five hundred and fifty thousand dollars spiral stakes on saturday a race that's going to have an impact on kentucky derby points jeff greenhill who uh... Has been a guest on uh, Winning Ponies before, but at that time he had no idea that he'd ever have a horse that was eligible, uh, potentially, to be in the Kentucky Derby. All right, let's start the show off with a little more good news. Uh, Veterinarians that are monitoring Rachel Alexander's recovery at Rude and Riddle say that her appetite is strong, and they say that she's a bit feisty during her walks over the last week. Uh, Every Tuesday they put out an update, and they're hoping to put out a nice positive update next Tuesday. All right, well, we've uh, had some really good guests on Winning Ponies, and uh, they continue to uh, make the news. One that was a little bit of a shocker here is that a guest we had on two weeks ago, Chantel Sutherland, is considering a riding comeback Uh, She, uh, on Thursday, for the second time this month, uh, has been out galloping horses in the morning, and she's saying, I wouldn't rule it out from the sounds of things. The 37-year-old Sutherland may well be back in action. Of course, she announced her retirement uh, in her homeland near Toronto last October at Woodbine uh, after winning 931 races. Uh, She's best known to probably most of the listeners for riding Game On Dude to win the uh, Goodwood Stakes and uh, to run second in the uh, Breeders' Cup Classic at Churchill Downs, just getting nosed out by her boyfriend Mike Smith on Drosselmeyer, and uh, she became the first woman to win the uh, Hollywood Gold Cup. So it'll be very interesting. Um, she, you know, has largely stayed away from the racing, but did do commentary on TVG, as she said in our interview. And she says she's got to have a long talk with her husband, but uh, beginning to think that uh, Chantel might uh, win that conversation. Also, a guest that we had on three weeks ago, Gary Stevens. Uh, Since uh, coming out of retirement, uh, Gary has uh, won 12 races, three of those graded stakes races, while the 50-year-old Stevens has made it official through his agent, Craig O'Brien, that he will return to Kentucky after riding next weekend in Dubai, he's going to ride throughout the Keeneland and into Kentucky Derby week at Churchill Downs. And Brian Hernandez, the young rider that's been with us uh, on several occasions, um, said that he and Fort Larned, after that eventful race in the Gulfstream Park Handicap, are doing pretty good. It looks like uh, Fort Larned, according to BJ, is going to be pointed to the Oaklawn Handicap. As you may recall, In the Gulfstream Park handicap, Fort Larned went right down on his head at at the start, uh, flipping Brian off the horse. Luckily, he rolled the other way. But as as Brian said, I spoke to him about an hour ago, he said the horse just showed his athleticism and how he was able to gather himself up. He obviously knew what his job was. He went past the field like a rocket, uh, setting two track records, obviously unofficial with no jockey on his back. But Ian Wilkes has him on his toes and uh, he did grab a little bit of a quarter, he said, uh, above the hoof in the back. Uh, he, he did have a work at, at Palm Meadows today, um, and everybody says that everything went went great. Uh, they're probably going to go on now to the Oak Lawn Handicap. Of course, that'll, that'll be run April 13th, and it's a half-a-million-dollar race, so Ian Wilkes seems very confident that Fort Larned is just fine and, Brian Hernandez says he's just fine, too. All right, well, we had another jockey go out on top. Tony Black goes out a winner, 61 years old. He won his first career race in the Philadelphia area, and he went out a winner riding a horse owned by his 32-year-old son. He came from sixth in a one-mile race at Parks and got up to win by three-quarters of a length. And by doing that, it was win 5,200. He says he still feels like he can compete, but you know, it's hard to walk away from. He says in other sports, you don't last 20 or 30 years. He lasted 43. So, congratulations to Tony Black, just a great rider and certainly a huge fixture in the Pennsylvania scene. Well, we had, had a report a couple months ago that we lost uh, the great equine photographer, Tony Leonard, and uh, to day, I have to tell you that we lost a great equine artist in Anthony Alonzo. He was just a fantastic artist. Uh, Hopefully, you've seen some of his work. Uh, He was uh, quite an... Uh, interesting individual. I had a chance to meet him personally, and he invited me to his art show at the Gideon Putnam Hotel in Saratoga Springs. That was pretty much an annual event. And anybody that's been to Saratoga has probably seen his work. Uh, he was a New York City native, uh, a U.S. Air Force veteran in the Korean War, and all I can say is he's a very class act. He was very kind to me when I was a fledgling photographer up there at Saratoga, and Anthony Alonzo will be missed well um in case you've got a hot horse you want to go in the triple crown uh the deadline for nominating them is saturday uh one minute before midnight and that entry fee will be six thousand dollars i believe you could have initially nominated for 600 and uh if for some reason you don't uh, get to that one, you can supplement to the Derby for two hundred thousand, or a hundred thousand before the Preakness or the Belmont. So, if you think you got a halfway decent three-year-old, I'd say go ahead and ante up the six hundred bucks. Okay, we're going to have some uh, racing on the air. Uh, the Road to the Kentucky Derby is going to have its preview show Saturday, March twenty-third on NBC Sports Network from 6 to 6.30. It's produced by America's Best Racing. Uh, they're going to look at all the top contenders for the 2013 Kentucky Derby, as well as features on jockey Gary Stevens and Rosie Napravnik, who had a pretty nice weekend herself. They're considered the brand ambassadors for America's Best Racing and two quality individuals uh, to have up front. If you want any uh, additional information about uh, some of the thoroughbred racing events that are going to be sponsored by America's Best Racing, you can go to followhorseracing.com. And perhaps coming to a theater near you, there's going to be a uh, documentary on Ron Turcott that's going to premiere Derby Week. uh... The uh, National Film Board of Canada is putting out this documentary called Secretariat's Jockey Ron Turcotte. It's going to premiere a derby week in conjunction with the 40th anniversary of Secretariat's historic Triple Crown campaign. And uh, you can uh, check at secretariat.com uh, to find out about tickets. I believe there's also going to be a VIP party you can buy your way into. And uh, ticket sales will benefit the Secretariat Foundation, Kentucky Derby Museum, and the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. So uh, Ron Turcott, I'll be looking forward to seeing this documentary. It's also going to follow the Triple Crown. Uh, you'll be able to see it uh, Preakness Week uh, in the Baltimore area and in New York. If you want to know where it's going to air and when, you can go to secretariat.com. Uh Here's a look at the leaderboard following Saturday's Rebel at Oaklawn Park. How about the coach? I mean, here we got March Madness coming out, and former basketball coach D. Wayne Lucas, who's won four Kentucky Derbies, looks to add to his total record of starters um, as he uh, put in an amazing performance at Oaklawn Park as only a short head separated Oxbow and will take charge in the Rebel Stakes. Uh, quite a race, and we're going to review that here in just a minute. Right now the standings will take charge. Is on top with the Derby Point standings with 60. Uh, behind him is uh, Vijack and Orb, and then the undefeated Verrazano. Here, the Ghost, Oxbow, Flashback, Golden Sense, and Shanghai Bobby, and Kenny McPeak's Java War. Those are the top ten right now with points. Of course, the season is still young, so uh, we're going to find out who's going to get in the Kentucky Derby. Of course, there'll be points made this this weekend, too. So uh, let's go back now and take a look at some of the races. Last week, we had My Fantasy Stable's Matt O'Neill helping us handicap. And, of course, the, the Rebel Stakes was just an amazing race. About a half an hour ago, I had a chance to talk to winning jockey John Court. John had been riding Oxbow and will take charge, and the coach decided to put him on, will take charge, who went off to odds of 28-1. to 1. Meanwhile, Oxbow was one of the favorites in there. Turning for home, Oxbow took the lead. He looked like he was going to be a winner, but uh, John Cord, who said dismiss the charts of the Daily Racing Form," because he never had any problem at all, and he was... Cruising very well. Then he said about the eighth pole, he said, I think I can catch him, but I know how gutsy Oxbow is. He's a very, very good horse. And uh, he just kept moving on Will Take Charge. The son of Unbridled Song, who's out of the great broodmare, grade one winner, Take Charge Lady, and redeemed himself with a bad race in the southwest. I think he just got to throw that race out because it was in the slop. And John Court. Just a class act, got up by a nose, and he's just thrilled with the, the year he's having. And he said, I couldn't be uh, more honored to, to be part of uh, Team Lucas, so he's going to go with the flow. And he said, by the way, he's still got some other nice three-year-olds in the barn, so you might want to keep your uh, your eye out for the three-year-olds. That may not get Derby points, but might be popping up later from the D-Wayne Lucas barn. But it was uh, Will Take Charge just get, getting up over Oxbow, and the third spot was Den's Legacy. So they all got points leading up to the Kentucky Derby. The race before, it was the Azeri And most people were pretty much saying, put a ring around my Miss Arulia, who was just an amazing filly last year, uh, went into the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic undefeated, lost to Royal Delta, and... uh, then came up just short in the La Brea when she was stayed at Santa Anita. Well, at Oaklawn Park, she went off the odds on favorite. But as we talked about last week, Tiz Sue had a really nice tightener. Tiz Miz Sue won the Azari last year using the same route. Uh, and she came back and did it this time. She used the Bayakoa as a prep and then came back and won the Azari. It was Tiz Ms. Sue. Don't Tell Sophia, who's the second favorite behind the odds-on miss, my miss, Aurelia, who ended up running third, just kind of flattened out through the lane. She looked like a threat turning for home. And then uh, we went out to the Santa Margarita. Uh, This race uh, was uh, Rosie Napravnik's uh, debut this season It's Santa Anita, and she just put in an amazing race. Uh, Going from flag fall to that's all, scoring the first grade one win for Joyal Victory, who uh, is uh, trained by Larry Jones. Doesn't normally race out at Santa Anita, but wanted to get that grade one under his belt. He says he's going to give her a freshener. Probably come back to the West Coast in the fall meet and we'll be pointing towards the Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic. Uh in that race, second was more chocolate, and third was brushed by a star. Then we also looked at the uh San Luis Ray going a mile and a half, a distance you don't often go. Well, I'll tell you what, Go in the distance this time was Bright Thought, a beautiful ride by Victor Espinoza. Had the lead out of the gate, pulled Bright Thought back, stalked the leader, came through, one in two minutes, 22 seconds, .72. That is a new track record. It's a 14-year-old record that was held by Hawkster back in nineteen. 89. Uh, second was all squared away and third was fire with fire well that's a look at the races that we handicapped last week at the bottom of the hour we're going to be handicapping with marty mcgee but coming up next uh, a friend of mine and one of the class acts in the sport of kings mark simon from the daily racing forum you're listening to winning ponies
1: flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off.
3: What? Can't make it to the track?
0: And the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the, shot. got it with 2.8 seconds He's left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of
3: here. From high school to the pros, we, <laughs> we, cover, everything. we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports Now, back to winning ponies with John Engelhart
4: all right, and, and with me is mark simon who who 's been on the show before, and it seems like every time I talk to him he 's wearing a different hat uh, one as the uh, the editor of the now defunct uh, thoroughbred times uh, then is the man that that 's that's heading up in uh, a great new section, a DRF breeding. That uh, I'm not sure it's going to be in every Sunday, but I got my first copy. I'm holding in my hands from last Sunday's racing form. And uh, Mark has been named the editorial director, and he's going to lead the Daily Racing Form's national editorial operation. And right now, a bit of a culture shock going from uh, little old Lexington, Kentucky, uh, to the Big Apple in New York. Mark Simon, how you doing?
5: Very good, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm in uh, in uh, downtown Brooklyn right now in a hotel. Was, Mary and I, my wife, have been up here for a week looking for places. I started on Monday on, uh, down at the Racing Farm office, which is in Midtown, and we've been working out of, uh, of a hotel where we're looking for a place. So to say it's a culture shock is, uh, is to uh, understate the, the impact of the change between Lexington and New York City.
4: Oh, absolutely, especially for somebody that uh, had been living in Lexington, I believe, since 1977. So uh, yeah. I, I can understand it, but uh, I, I certainly uh, also understand the respect uh, that the, the people at the Daily Racing Forum have for you. You know, at the Thoroughbred Times was getting such savvy and, and winning Eclipse Awards uh, for some of the things that you oversaw for them um on the on the website, do you think that's part of the strength and and one of the directions that that they're looking for you to go in?
5: Yeah, I think that uh, John Harding, the CEO of the Race Form, he's been there about three three and a half years. He comes from a, a non-racing background. He he was one of the uh, founding uh, publishers of InStyle magazine. Comes out of the uh, you know, Time Warner group, and he's really looking to kind of expand what they're going to be doing, the racing forums will be doing in terms of its editorial coverage. I think he liked the things that they're doing with the Third Times, kind of a broader approach to kind of covering the industry. You know, the the racing forum for, you know, decades and decades or for a century has been the Handicap for his Bible, and rightfully so, and it's it's uh, and held in high esteem for all the handicapping information it provides and all the handicappers and the writers. But I think John would want to take a look and see if he couldn't uh, expand some of the editorial and kind of broaden the horizons and open up the tent a little bit, because I think one of the things which he is interested in doing, and I am as well, is kind of educating just the, the general whether fans or, or handicappers in audience are racing, because, you know, one of the things that some of the studies show that, you know, racing needs just more owners, and one way to get more owners is basically through, you know, through existing fans or handicappers, it's much easier to kind of converge into owners. People are, have an interest in the sport on a daily basis, and you kind of go down to Wall Street and try and drag people off the street and say, oh, I want to how, how about owning some racehorses. It's, uh, it's a tougher conversion, so um, I think that was one of the, has uh, behind his thinking and plus I think he just wants to just have uh, some different coverage, and you know, concentrate on you know the owner stories and the breeder stories and the pedigrees, because as you know, um, the pedigrees and the sires um, are integral to the whole sport. And anything which involves the sires and pedigrees, it will ultimately impact your handicapping, whether it has to do with you know the surface uh, preferences for sires or or distance proclivities, dirt, turf, synthetic, etc. So it's uh, it's all one big. Uh, one big happy family in terms of uh, coverage, and I think we like to incorporate a lot of those things just in the, in the normal run of editorial.
4: Well, I, I know as a, as a publicist for many years, I, I always felt better about getting a story in the newspaper's tempo section than I did the sports section because I thought that it would hit a different set of eyes, and it was usually a story that, you know, w- would appeal uh, to somebody saying, oh, I never knew that about racing, or I never knew that about that person. It sounds like that might be one of the directions you're going in.
5: Yes, I think there's, uh, as you know, there's so many great stories in racing, and if we can get some of those stories out to the general public, um, it will help the sport and and grow the fan base um you know you take a look at the McKinsey study which was done by you know, for the Jockey Club about a year and a half ago and a lot of the things which are talked about from the McKinsey group and that's a really respected group who does great um demographics and research for a lot of uh, the top um sports organizations they started looking at you know what's wrong with racing or what challenges are there in racing it's really trying to you know grow the audience Get new fans involved, and and to kind of tell the story, and you, you, you do that a lot of different ways. But one is, you just kind of telling the story of, of racing and some of the stories of racing. You don't necessarily have to be a handicapper or a fan to really appreciate some of the stories uh, behind it, whether it has to do with the owners, the breeders, or the pedigrees and of or the sires or the dams, and you know, and obviously the history of the sport is also part of the uh, of the great strengths of of uh, the sport of racing.
4: Well, and to segue right into that, uh, I so enjoyed the the pull-out breeding section in Sunday's edition. And please, uh, tell this writer, award winner Mary Simon, that her story (laughs) on Stormcat was just fantastic. I learned a lot from reading it, but you just see that, you know, she really put her her heart and soul into, obviously, all of her work is well researched. But this would be a great story for anybody to read, whether they were a horse fan or not. Uh, So if this is the type of work that that you're going to be doing, Mark, all I can say is it's a great step forward for the form and for racing.
5: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll pass that along to Mary and and, you know, she's won a couple of Eclipse Awards. You know, that's part of the, you know, that story is kind of emblematic and the you know, things we would like to be able to do in telling the story because, you cause know, the story she did on Stormcat is from a personal angle. And I think oh, yeah. we like to, be able to add that personal touch to stories because, People have a really strong relationship with horses, and and the horses touch people. Whether you're just a fan or a handicapper, you have a strong that strong relation. You want to be able to tell that that story and 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 touch on those relations in you know through print, and that really connects with people. I think as just as did with you, that the story that she did on Stormcat resonated with a lot of people, and that's just a, uh, you know, it's, a it's a terrific story and. And you know, and Stormcat's a remarkable horse. But you know, it's it's, uh, it's a part of the uh, the fabric of the of the sport of racing is that that uh, the, the personal connection with the horse.
4: Well, and in also in in your breeding section, I I think it's kind of a quick kind of thumbnail sketch over what's going on in, in, in the sales arena, who's hot, who's not. I mean, at a glimpse, you know, you can see, you know. Uh, the the, the new stallions that are coming out, what's going on at the sales? It's not like you've got to sit here. You've already done the research for us, and we can just look down and and all of a sudden find out, you know, what's going on in in the world of breeding. I really like the way you broke this down. I'm not sure how much it's going to change every week or if you've got a format planned for the breeding section.
5: Well, it's going to change on a weekly basis. I do appreciate your comments. We are in the very early stage of this, you know, um, we started on the March 10th issue was the first one, which we did. I think that's the issue probably in front of with the Storm Cat, and that's the first issue which we kind of devoted a, a complete, do a Sunday section to the breeding, and kind of covering breeding, sales, kind of industry related issues, and we're going to do that every Sunday going forward, and as we. And the that section will have continuing features. You know, the catching up is going to be something interesting. We'll do analysis of news of sales. Uh, we hope to roll into there fairly soon. Some some special sections just on um, let's say how buyer figures and how it relates to sellers. So you can see maybe see how sayers do with. Uh, Turf runners, or how they're doing with maiden winners, or allowance winners, or maybe by a certain, uh, or by region and by you know by distance. So we'll try to develop some features like that, and those, and and that type of information would have appeal to not only just people who are breeding and owning horses, but also handicappers. Um, Absolutely, we can't forget them. (laughs) <laughs> so this next issue, for instance, we have a. It's that next issue, I think it's makes March 31st issue, kind of in conjunction with the opening of Keeneland, we're going to have uh, Joe Neville's, one of our up-and-coming rising stars of writing, he's going to have a nice piece, so probably a really in depth piece on, you know, kinda of what makes a poly a good polytrack sire. You know, what who are the best polytrack sires, who are the best with, you know, percent winners from starters or average earnings per per runner and, and things like that. And we'll go into depth on those horses and also by the same token we'll kinda of point out well here's the horses who who are not good poly track sires relative to how they're doing on other surfaces, which is also, you know, is also helpful to the Handicappers and fans, and to and to breeders, kind of what uh you know, what maybe we should avoid if you're kind of looking at uh, polytrack. So we'll have stories like that, and as I said before, that's uh, you know, opens up the tent a little bit, and 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 there's a lot of things which are going to be of appeal to both you know, professionals and people who've invested in the industry, as well as to the handicappers who are investing their their wagering dollars in the sport as well.
4: Well, uh, one of my favorite uh, websites is uh, www.drf.com. I I hope that uh, our our listeners here at Winning Ponies uh, take advantage of it. Uh, One of the unique features that they started to incorporate that that I really find enjoyable is the Twitter ticker on the right side. I mean, uh, your guys are just on top of it. They must not have a moment to even get a free sandwich in the press box.
5: <laughs> well, that's part of the things that we were talking about. I earlier when you asked earlier, kind of what is the uh, kind of the mission when I was hired, and it's really going to be to help develop the website as well. And one of the things we're going to be doing over the next maybe month or two months is going to be redesign of the site because right now, and it, you know, it's very the, the DRF bets. You know, Daily Race is now taking bets online, and which one of the services, which I think a lot of it is. Uh, if it's readers who want it, you will be able to get the past performances, handicap information also bet right there. But it's also the Europe that's kinda of dominating the, the the space. So we wanna be able to change the website so it's still more, um, user-friendly for readers and getting our news out there. So we will be, um, changing that over the next about two or three months. And, but, you know, in, introducing and keeping, making sure we're up with Twitter and all the daily news and we're breaking news on a daily basis and on an hourly basis is, is very important because the daily racing form has, you know, there's multiple correspondence that tracks around the country, so we have people on the ground everywhere so we should be breaking news and telling people what's happening, whether it has to do with updating horses pointing for certain races or injured or, or what have you. And I think, you know, all racing fans need that information to be able to to um, not only enjoy the sport but also also make a uh, cash a bet
4: well you know you really uh, are in a position where as you were in the thoroughbred times uh you're you're surrounded by a great staff and i'm and i must say uh i've been able to utilize them uh, so much here on on winning ponies uh to a person if i call on them and ask them if they either want to be a guest as you are now or if they want to be a guest handicapper uh they're right there I, I think they're doing a really good job at 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 being out front and being kind of ambassadors of the sport while still wearing the daily racing form uniform?
5: Yeah, I think um you know people are involved in racing, particularly the ones in, with the racing form and with our staff, they're they're very passionate about the sport. You know, they're not just in it just for cash and checks and and uh and will come in, punch in and out, uh, you know, nine to five. They they follow racing and they're passionate about it and cover racing and, and love it and and they and I think that's in part to the work that they're doing. And Nicole Russo, was just a lot of the uh, the Twitter feed for us, she had worked for us with a thoroughbred time. Then she's also one uh you know very young and it's probably only about. 25, whatever, and not, not that long out of school, but she is really uh, on top of it and just loves doing that. And and you know, she's their, our, our one of our social media gurus, and uh, and she's only going to make the site better as we kind of move forward and give her even more tools. And and actually, more of the the writers and reporters for the DRF will probably be doing the same as we move forward and trying to get you know more maybe um, on, on the website. And more live reports during the course of the day to help people, you know, learn what's going on on, a, on our immediate basis on what might be going on with the seventh 8th race of Gulfstream, and how the track condition might be changing, and maybe who should be who a person should be betting in the eighth race because the writer knows, you know, it's got an inside track, which hopefully we do, and then and, and give people some winners.
4: Now, Mark, will will we see any kind of uh, format? Uh, change with the with the physical daily racing form i noticed just this week the uh the, the cincinnati newspaper uh went to almost like a magazine style format uh, for the first time in whatever 118 years hmm. since they uh <laughs> published the uh, the the cincinnati enquirer is uh, are there any plans for any kind of change in the in the look
5: not really um i th- we're looking at, the, well, let me, let me preface by saying this, as opposed to a lot of other newspapers, and as you know, the, the daily newspapers that we all grew up with are all struggling for a variety of reasons, but the Daily Racing Forum is a very strong franchise, and it is in the envy of most newspapers. You know, it's, it's obviously a trade publication, and we have some very specific um, and proprietary information which we are selling, and people will pay and send, and pay a lot for that, and sometimes pay a premium, and so the the franchise is strong. So nothing is in jeopardy there. And they play around with a few things. They, you know, maybe the trim might be changed fractionally, but I don't think anything would be noticeable. They are looking at you know maybe in certain markets, you know, with Monday or Tuesday, a really light day of maybe making digital only. But the digital conversion, in, in terms of our readership and people taking you know past performances or anything online, has been very strong. And so even though the, even while the, the sales of the print copy are very strong, we have been converting more and more people to get things online. So, so regardless, if that's, uh, they'll, they'll still happen. And you obviously get all the same information online as you would in print. And as a matter of fact, online, there's some, a lot of advantages because you can manipulate the data, get the past performance as you want, or get certain fields that you liked online, which you, obviously, you, you cannot get in print because it's a fixed format. So there's, you know there are a number of advantages for going online too for the digital but um i don't think our readers will see any changes anytime soon in terms of the print and and as a matter of fact i think we would like to if possible maybe even grow the editorial uh, section a little bit because one reason i was hired to, was to you know help change some of the uh, editorial which we have on a daily basis and and to do that we might be you know changing some of our editorial a little bit, or maybe even add to, uh, enhancing it with some additional features.
4: Well, all I can say is uh, I believe that uh, you, Mark Simon, uh, are, are the right man for the job. Uh, I know it's got to be awful tough for you pulling up your roots in Lexington uh, to, to be there in New York. I, I hope you, you and Mary are just okay, and uh, I hope that uh, someday I see you soon back here in the bluegrass region.
5: Okay, I appreciate that I appreciate all your support and Any time you need me to be a guest i'd be happy to join you John
4: oh thanks amelia Mark like i said every, everybody from the forum has uh, been great to our audience here at the at uh, at winning ponies so ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Mark Simon, who uh has gone on to bigger and better things uh, at, at the daily racing forum, and uh right now we're uh we're doing our uh our best to try to get a hold of Marty McGee. When we come back, I'm going to break down this week's races. We're looking at the Fathead Bermanette Stakes Oaks, the Horseshoe Casino Cincinnati Racing Spiral, and the Sunland Derby. Uh, two of those three will impact this year's Kentucky Derby. So we're going to take a little bit of a break, and we'll be right back here on Winning Ponies.
1: Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
3: What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the Easy Win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you.
0: Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins. Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports.
3: All right, well, we're
4: having some technical difficulties getting hold of Marty McGee, but we're still going to go ahead and break down some of the races that uh, we're going to uh, look at this week, and starting out with the new fathead, Bourbonette Oaks. It's a grade three at Turfway Park. The race is a mile in distance. Uh, Some nice horses have come out of this race, and between the... Bourbonette and the Spiral, what a jockey colony is going to be drawn to northern Kentucky this week. Obviously, guys uh, that don't ride there all the time, but we've certainly depleted uh, uh, the West Coast. Let's just go through so, some of the who's who. Uh, Robbie Alvarado, Joel Rosario, Garrett Gomez is coming into town, Rosie Napravnik, uh, uh Julian Le Paru, Joe Bravo, Miguel Mania. I mean, this is like a who's who of, of jocks in the North America region. And uh, it's going to be Alan Garcia is going to be here. So uh, it's going to be a, quite a group of jocks that are going to be showing up in uh, in northern Kentucky this week. Anyhow, let's start with, with the bourbon at Oaks. This race, it looks like there's a standout here if you've got a single one. Now, this is a case where the horse has not been out this year. Pure fun is her name. Her last start, you may recall, was the grade one Hollywood starlet. And uh, people were saying, what the heck is Kenny McPeak doing out here? This horse had raced at Churchill, uh, Ellis Park, Kentucky Downs, Keeneland, Churchill Downs, all of a sudden, she shows up in the Hollywood Starlet. Garrett Gomez gets the leg up and comes home an impressive winner. Uh, the horse was eighth at the half mile in this mile and a 16th race on a synthetic track. And uh, she uh, came home and just ran him over In the Hollywood Starlet. And uh, earlier today, I had a chance to talk with my friend Ed Meyer about this race. And I'm pretty sure Ed concurs with me that you want to put a ring around pure fun. And I think we just happened to get a call from my friend Ed. Ed, are you there? John, how are you tonight? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I have a little problem getting a hold of, of Marty, uh, but uh, you and I have talked a couple times today looking over the card. I know I'm going to see it tomorrow. And uh, I think I'm pretty right in my conjecture that uh, if you're playing uh, pick threes, pick fours, you want to make sure that uh, pure fun and uncaptured are perhaps on your single tickets?
1: I would have to say uh, starting with pure fun, yeah, I uh... That looks like a singolo to me, but uh, the uncaptured portion uh, moving moving next. I love uncaptured, but uh, right before that, uh, with uh, pure fun, Garrett Gomez in town, Kenny McPeak. I mean, how can you even begin to, uh, to define fault whatsoever? I, I think it's a powerhouse tandem.
4: Absolutely now, Kenny's had uh, this Philly uh, down at Gulfstream Park. Uh, she's spitting bullets against pretty big work tabs, twenty-five and twenty-six. She's coming home on top and fifty-eight and two. And as you know, she's uh, you know <clears throat> run not necessarily on Polly, but she has put in an impressive performance over a synthetic track when she went out to the Hollywood Starlet. Um, I'm not sure where uh, Kenny's going with her after this. I'm going to guess perhaps the Kentucky Oaks. Uh, but pure fun just looks like a standout in that field.
1: This actually does look like a nice oaks runner, and and I believe Gary Gomez was going to pick up another mount I didn't know if you'd actually touched on that, uh, John, but I'm no. I'm sure it's close to your heart with Frack Daddy. I think he was actually going to have a double duo for Kenny, but uh... Frack Daddy on the IR.
4: Yeah, I uh, uh, grabbed a quarter. uh... Kenny told us, and uh, it's just going to need a little more time. I got a feeling Frack Daddy's going to have to hit a home run in one of the big ones. Like uh, you know, the Florida Derby or uh, the Louisiana Derby or the Bluegrass to, to get into the Derby picture because he did miss some time, but uh, that's talking about the Oaks, the, the the big race and a race that you know uh, I think it used to be called the Smiley Adams Stakes back back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Which will be the spiral stakes. I don't know if there's ever been a race that's had more names. Now, here's a mouthful for you. The Horseshoe Casino Cincinnati Racing Spiral.
1: <laughs> it, it is, it is, in fact, that. Uh, but, you know, a rose by any other name, John, I mean, it's still going to be the Jim Beam in my heart. How about you?
4: Uh, absolutely, because I go back uh, to, to th- those early days when, uh, when when Smiley just owned this race. It was a uh, Smiley's dream. Bob's Dusty, uh, Raymond Earl, a lot of gold, major run, beat his stablemate, Ray's Word. So yeah, I'll go back. I'll go back to the Jim B. But the, w- the way this race sets up, and I don't think you'll disagree with me, is it's the locals who we know who they are versus the heavy hitters that are coming in but a lot of the heavy hitters this is their first start in 2013 and they might have something to prove
1: agreed and when you talked about locals uh, you know, I I know this man is near and dear to your heart. He, he's quite a horseman and even a better gentleman. And uh, starting starting in the big race, I have to say kudos to your good friend uh, Jeff Greenhill. I mean Mac the man. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna assume be a, a major that are in this mile-and-eighth event, John. I, I have to shout out, uh, I know that's near and dear, and I know you have many communications with Jeff, but uh, I, I'm, I'm really, really happy before I even get any part of uh, the handicapping of this with uh, everything Jeff's done with Mac the Man.
4: Yeah, and as a matter of fact, Jeff's going to be on here in, in a couple of minutes with us. He just saddled a horse at Turfway, and he said he'd talk to us a, a little bit. I was watching one of the broadcasts through uh, through the Blood Horse um, about uh, two hours ago, with our, our friend Tom Lamara up there, and he said that this is Ed De Rosa's number one pick. This horse has the number one brisk power rating, if you can believe that. Over this field, uh, you know that, that that has some of the you know top connections. Uh, you got Chad Brown in there, Mark Cassie, Mike Maker, Bill Motts here, and, and Mac the Man, the local hopeful, has the number one power rating.
1: And both are correct, Tom and Ed are both correct. A 140.6, I'm looking at it As We Speak, a uh, uh, three-year-old colt by El Corridor, John. Three for three at turf. You talk about uh, words that we used to speak, a horse for the course. I think Jeff is uh, sitting on quite a speedster animal here.
4: Yeah, and a lot of these top horses that are coming in, you know, Balance the Books, uh, you know, Fear the Kitten, uh, My Name is Michael, they're horses that like to come from off the pace, and I'm just wondering that if if Arroyo can kind of steal out there with a nice lead on a track that he likes, that Mac the man could be sitting in a good spot at the 16th pole.
1: He's going to give them all that they want, uh, whether it be a half, three quarters, or all the way from flag fall to that's off. I'm very, very pleased, especially with the way Turfway plays. If you look at it through uh, the whole body of Turfway throughout their meet, no matter how many days they run, John, speed is always a factor. But you alluded to balance the books on the rail, just the opposite. That's the yin and the yang. You've got a, you've got a silky solvent type here, a Chad Brown, Julian Leipreux, who's no stranger to Turfway, is going to do the opposite. Mac's going to be on the lead by about three. Balance the books is going to be disconnected from the field by about ten.
4: Well, it's going to be a very interesting race in the way it sets up with the pace scenario and to see how these horses who have been training well, but nonetheless, you know it's a lot different when you're in competition uh, uh, in the afternoon. Um, uh, Don't want to throw you a curve here, but uh, did you have any chance to look at the, the Sunland Derby?
1: The Sunland Derby, I was actually looking at the odds. In there, and there's a horse by the name of Shaking It Up who really, uh, he's he's going to get more than my two dollars worth
4: because uh, I actually
1: had him last time out of Santa Anita.
4: Well, the question was Shaking It Up. You know, it's a it's a Baffert horse is. The horse has never gone around two turns, and he's going to have to go on not only two turns, but a mile and an eighth. So there's a big question mark by that horse, and I think there's a question mark by this horse called Abraham. I mean, we'll see a Pletcher and Johnny V at Turfway Park on Saturday. Then they're flying out to Sunland Park with this horse that's been favored. He's two for two and has one at a mile and an eighth, just another one of these amazing horses that Todd Pletcher has in his barn
1: fletcher is he is stock loaded he's got more aces than the casino uh, it, it seems like <laughs> if he runs out they just they just keep coming from everywhere. Actually, I was watching a, a wonderful work uh, or excuse me a recap of a maiden victory hit Gulfstream. I never even heard of the runner John he draws away by twelve, and we 've yet to even see him hit the screen yet
4: what uh, What can I say you know uh this he just keeps coming up with them. And be the race out of Todd Pletcher is $800,000, and they're, and uh, are Derby they're standing in the line. Right well, um, Ed, as always, you are my go-to guy. Thanks for listening, and thanks for, uh, for uh, calling in. You know that I love you, brother, and I will see you on Saturday.
1: John, great to hear your voice, and uh, best of luck to everyone, especially this weekend and the next three.
4: Take care. Steady Eddie Meyer right there, ladies and gentlemen, with us breaking down the races for this weekend. And, uh, again, we just uh, talked so much about uh, the, the, the hometown hero, uh, Mac the Man. About uh, half an hour ago, I saw a late-breaking story in the Daily Racing Form on a gentleman by the name of Jeff Greenhill. And through the miracle of our producer, D, I believe we've got Jeff on the line right now. Jeff, are you there? I am, John. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Well, um, I don't want to scare you, okay, but I was watching a broadcast about an hour ago, and did you know that Mac the Man has the number one brisk power rating for the Spiral Stakes? Uh,
2: You didn't have to share that. But... uh... (laughs) I tell you one thing: we need to talk, talk more often because last time we talked, we just, I just won a race and I just won with a first time starter at Turfway. So, oh,
4: congratulations! I, I I didn't even know if we'd be able to work this out. That's great, Jeff.
2: Yeah, she she dwelt
4: in the gate and spotted the the
2: field about ten lengths and then them in the stretch and won by one or so. So, lot lot to be excited about. For a Ching Cha Ching.
4: <laughs> I love the name. Well, you know, uh, you, you, you've been really busy this week. I know I, I've seen a broadcast with you uh, from the Louisville Courier Journal with Jenny Reese concerning, you know, all, all that's going on in Kentucky as a horseman. And then uh, you were on the NTRA <clears throat> teleconference earlier this week, and now you're one of the feature stories in the Daily Racing form. Uh the guy that used to fly under the radar, how's that feel? Truthfully, I like it better under the radar. <laughs> but, uh,
2: you know, I guess it's the horses that get you there, and Mac the Man. It's just, none of this is me. This is all Mac
4: the Man. Well, uh, Jeff, <clears throat> and again, and looking at this race, uh, certainly people are looking to get in the Kentucky Derby, and you've got some heavy hitters coming in here. You've got D. Wayne Lucas and John Court. They're on fire. A Julian Leparu's flying all the way in from the West Coast to ride for Chad Brown. Then you've got a horse that's only stepped on its toe once in its whole career, uncaptured. Um, I'm guessing you've had a chance to look at the competition. Um, these horses I- I'm naming, uh, haven't had a whole lot of experience this year, particularly balance the books and uncaptured. It's their first uh, start of the season. Uh, who do you see as Mac the Man's main threat? Well, the three you mentioned, obviously,
2: uh, you got winner ran third in the Breeders' Cup, like you said, uncaptured, uh, already a Grade One stakes winner. Um, you've got Dwayne Lucas. If we keep talking. I'm gonna go put in a late scratch. But uh, you still there? I'm, I'm getting text yeah, I right now. But the, Matt Man is going from junior varsity to college, and and I'm as anxious as anybody to see how he'll fit.
4: Well, uh, do you have uh, any tactics in mind? As as you know, I posted a little something on your your Facebook page yesterday, and quite frankly, you know, some of these horses uh, look like they like to come from off the pace. Can you steal this race? Yeah, you know, he looks like he would be one of,
2: he will be forwardly placed. And I don't, that's not necessarily by choice, that's just the way the race sets up. And uh, so... I would imagine that we would be forwardly placed. I don't know if we'll have the lead. This horse kind of likes a target to run at. But uh, I believe it's in the Bertro Arroyo, who's a multiple greatest stakes-winning jockey. We'll just lead him over and, and, and hope we get the trip that, uh, that
4: gets the job done. Well, you know, again, you know the advantages of not having to ship you know the advantages of a horse that that likes the uh surface and the advantages of having a jockey that's familiar with your animal uh these are all things that that, that line up you got the horse for course and uh um, you got a lot of people uh, rooting in your corner I, I know you've you've always been great about uh sharing uh the wealth i don't know if uh, our listeners uh uh know where to go to find out more about you. T- tell me your website again, because I know Eric Wing mentioned it in the teleconference.
2: All you got is jeffgreenhill.com. You can't
4: get more vain than that. <laughs> or more direct. But people should know that even though your wife Sherry's name is on this horse, that, uh, that you do have many partners. I think the, the last time that this horse won, Pat Lang, the track photographer, had to go out and buy a new wide-angle lens to get everybody in the shot.
2: We love people in the winter circle. I have been known on several occasions after a race is over, if somebody's and I won the race and somebody's jumping up and down, I go, "Did you bet on my horse?" And they go, "Yeah." I said, "Well, let's go get our picture made." And so <laughs> I just I I routinely drag strangers into the winter
4: circle just to get it crowded. Well, uh, hopefully on Saturday you'll you'll be dragging uh, one short fat guy with a cigar in his mouth in there, and that'll be me because I'll be standing along that rail rooting you on, Jeff. Well, you're always welcome with me, buddy. Well, all I can say is uh, I, I I will for full exposure let people know that uh, when I for about seven years when I had horses in training that I was in partners with you and I, I couldn't have had a, a, a better experience, Jeff.
2: Well. We loved having you, and we look forward to 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 return.
4: All right. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. That's trainer Jeff Greenhill. He's got the hometown Hope Mac the Man in the $550,000 Horseshoe Casino Cincinnati Racing Spiral. That's on Saturday. So that pretty much closes out the show. I want to thank uh, Mark Simon uh, and Ed Meyer. I want to apologize to Marty McGee. I'm sorry I wasn't able to squeeze him into the show. We had some technical difficulty there, though he did call in. So a lot of good racing this weekend. Don't forget, go up to Winning Ponies. Get those easy win sheets, and hopefully you'll be an easy winner. That and along with some of the tips we may have given you. Thanks so much for tuning in to Winning Ponies. Remember, if you take a loved one to the races, practice, safe
3: bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com.